0: Hey, hey, hey! This is Dr. Sue in Atlanta. How you guys doing? You know, I love being with you. Uh, this podcast is called Pivot to Greatness, and it's all about you. We are here to help you be your best self. Going to give you some tips and some tidbits. We're going to share some juicy stories. Sometimes we'll talk about books. The content is varied. Sometimes we'll talk about books. We we'll talk about movies going to give you some juicy quotes, and the thing that I really love, we are going to have some dynamic guests, right? And so, when we have our guests on, we have these juicy conversations, and I am so looking forward to our conversation today. Our guest today is Bill Lee Emery, and he is from, how about this, Queensland, Australia. Bill, how are you?
1: Oh, great. Thank you, So It's uh, lovely to be here. Um, absolutely. It's the morning here, so um, it's a bright, sunny day. I don't know whether I should mention the, the weather or not, but we, uh, we're in the big, we're in the middle of summer here, so it's going to be very different probably from where you are.
0: Oh, wow. That is phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It's 15 hours difference, and so it's the morning there, And we're rolling into the afternoon, mid-afternoon here. And no, it is not 74 degrees. (laughs) I'm not sure what time it is, what the temperature is right now. But when I got up this morning, it was about 36. So I don't think it's going to be anywhere near 70. Not today and not tomorrow. But I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. You know, for the listening audience, as you know, These conversations just kind of ebb and flow. They are raw and unedited. I've got a few questions that I'm going to ask Bill, but basically we're just going to have a conversation with you as the focus. How can we support you on your journey to greatness? We believe that greatness is your birthright. We believe that every person is great. Every person has that potential. You get to, to decide what greatness is for you. We don't tell you what it is. I can't tell you what it is for you. Hey, I'm still trying to figure out what it is for me, but I'm doing my thing and I totally encourage you to do yours. So Bill, for me, before, as we get started, I've looked at your information. This is an amazing man, y'all. But it wasn't always that way. So tell us a little bit about you as you were growing up. Who Who is Bill or who was Bill before he became his great self at this moment? And I said, "That's this way, y'all, because we are constantly evolving. The greatness yes, that yes. he has today is not the greatness that he, he will have tomorrow. So talk to us, Bill.
1: Okay. So I totally agree with when you just, just said about evolving that um, and part of my later studies um, from neuroscience and ancient wisdom is that we are constantly evolving and our, our whole biology, our whole neurology is geared towards evolution, evolving ourselves as human beings. So just briefly about me, I was born in New Zealand I went to England when I was seven years of age uh, with my family. I didn't go by myself. Um, <laughs> and I was there till I was 20. So I, I grew up in England in the 60s. So that's a pretty radical time in terms of music, arts, mm-hmm. culture. It's an incredible time to, to grow up. Um, uh, so my taste in music is pretty much anchored in that era, really. Um, Then I came to Australia in 1970, and I've been here for 50 years. So, Mm -hmm. but the pivot. Since we're talking about pivoting, um, I worked in the computer industry for um, for quite some years, and my last job was operations manager of a company in the computer department, Mm -hmm. and it was one of the in that era people did work and there were no mentors there was very different training mm. if you're mm. technically good you got shoved in a, in a job which which put you in charge of people and if you're technical mm. but you don't know about people then it's like right. so my last job I would wake up in the morning with a knot in my stomach and i go to bed with a knot in my stomach and I did this for three months this is after I've been traveling by the way I've been to I've been to Europe. I've been to Southeast Asia. Spent some time in, in America, and I came back. Now I was going to settle down and you know mm-hmm. do all that stuff. Um, and in three months, I would just—I uh, was at a point where I'm going, "What the heck am I doing?" And mm-hmm. a, friend of, a friend of mine, who is a counsellor from um, Canada, he said to me, "Bill, they're not paying you enough to die." And I'm going, mm-hmm. "No, they're not." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I quit and I had, I didn't know what to do and I actually end up in a job in a factory just punching out little bits of metal and it was a mundane job but it actually gave me time just to think about what do I really, really want to do. So often, you know, people get, go into university courses that their parents wanted them to or they do jobs because that's what the family did, whatever it might be, but it's not really what they are here to do. And life will allow us to do that for a little while, then it'll give us a little slap across the face and go, hey, this is not it, you know. And, and there will be something bubbling inside of us in the, in the really inside of our heart saying, this is not what you're here for. So the more we try and hang on to how that is how we think it should be, the worse life becomes. And things will start to fall apart until we get to a point where we just go, I've just got to do what it is my heart truly wants and for you know I wish I had known at the age of 28 or 29 the things I knew now because I would have, (laughs) yeah probably all of them but it's like at that age there was the world was opening up to me but I didn't know what direction to take I didn't know how to Uh, talk to my heart I didn't know how to listen to my heart to what my heart wants you know my head was doing all the hard work this is what you should be doing this is where you should be going etc etc and I wasn't listening to my gut intuition which was prompting me to go a different thing so life got harder and just internally on the inside of me I was going what's life all about what am i here for is this all that there is and that burning question is like it's a powerful question, but it's a horrible question. It's like it, it it challenges your very existence on the planet. But then, fortunately, you know sooner or later, we kind of clear away the mist of, you know, all the illusions of the of the world, and we go, "This is what I really want to do." So I ended up uh, learning about clinical hypnosis many many years ago. Then I studied transactional analysis, gestalt therapy, psychosynthesis, a whole bunch of things, NLP, a whole bunch of different modalities. And each step took me further towards really doing what I'm doing now. But, you know, and that's been a 40 year journey. So I've been doing this kind of work since I've sort of woke up for about 40 years. So I've traveled all kinds of really interesting paths. And it's always been about, you know, you, your podcast is about greatness. And I truly believe and experience that everyone has a sense of greatness within them but it's like a little ember it's a little fire and the fire needs breath it needs oxygen we need to breathe on it we need to nurture it we need to listen to it
0: i still love
1: everything you're saying yeah well we're we're travel probably very similar paths in that way but and I think it's true for every human being that there's something inside of us which wants to be birthed into the world it's our talents our gifts it's the things that makes us come alive and um, one of my early mentors when I was learning about transactional analysis and if your listeners don't know what that is then you know go do a search I think it's a wonderful simple model of human behavior and he was always encouraging us to go find, you know, what does that little child inside of you want to do? What do you really want to do? Not what you should do, have to, etc., and to go follow that pathway. And he was um, instrumental in things in my latest book about being bulletproof from criticism because part of that journey is I had to become aware of, you know, here's my, my greatness wanting to be, express into the world, but that inner voice going, "No, you can't do that." What makes you think you do that? No, 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 all that kind of critical stuff. I had to learn how to deal with that, otherwise it'd always be there. I'm um, telling me that I'm not good enough. I'm not smart yeah. enough. I haven't got everything done. It's not perfect enough. All the rest of that crap and shit that basically, <laughs> you know, right. often goes around. You know, and so and much because, uh, you know we we've all got this, but it's how you manage it, how you deal with it. Um, and so we need to nurture this this gentle, tender ember of greatness inside of us, because otherwise, in my view, life is beige, it's banal, it's boring, it's mundane, it's not as vital as we are, as we're meant to be. And if that's, oh, I have a word for you. Um, this is something that John Barnaby, my mentor, taught me or taught us. The word is it's spelt, if you've got listeners, if you've got a pen, it's P-L-E-R-K, clerk. Mm-hmm. And at that time, so I was in my late twenties, early 30s, and I, I was looking at people in the workforce and and thinking, you know, people doing nine to five, they turn up at work at, at nine o'clock. They have left their creativity at home, their heart at home. They're doing the mundane night five because they have to do this, except for get a paycheck, pay the rent, blah, 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 blah. Go, I don't want a life like that. That would just be as boring as batshit. I don't know if that's you know that expression in America. But yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, I do. Okay. Maybe okay, the cool. young people don't, but I do. Yeah, yeah cool.
1: Okay, so I, I didn't want to have a boring as batshit life. You know, I wanted something to... <laughs> So the word PLR, the PL, stands for play or pleasure. Because if, if you're not playing in your life, you don't have any pleasure, then what the heck? So the RK at the end stands for the work, which is you know, paying the mortgage, paying the rent, paying the bills, blah, 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 blah. But the E stands for effort, enthusiasm, excitement, energy, all those things that a five-year-old has in, mm-hmm. in bucket loads. So I'm going, wow, I want to clerk for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. since that day, I've never worked. I've always done things that I've wanted to show that's that brings me alive. Because otherwise I'm just, I'm boring myself to death. And who the heck wants that?
0: That is, you have said so much and I have loved everything you've said. That is so amazing. Um, as you were talking, things were just popping into my head. Like the, why am I here? That is a question that, most people ask, but it's also a question I found that at least early on in my life, we were disencouraged to ask that question. Have you had any experience with that?
1: Uh, Yeah, of course, because, you know, if you think about mainstream business, you know, they want people to do jobs that do this, they get some productivity for the company or the organization or the country whatever it might be so the conformity is is encouraged mm-hmm. the problem with conformity is we're all different so if we're all conforming then basically we are hiding our spirit our greatness mm-hmm. from the world and it's much better in my view to be a rebel and find those things that makes you unique and makes you shine and brings you joy because if it's not bringing you joy then really
0: you know yeah I I think that's I mean that is so important but um, it makes me a little sad because I think number one that for so many people they don't realize that that's a possibility they don't realize that they get to create their own reality, right? In terms of what they think, what they want. And for myself, I have committed to be very transparent and uh, authentic on the show. And so for myself, I have to admit that I spent most of my life not knowing that I could think something different. (laughs) I have to think what they said. And so I have spent these last years, literally, when I have thoughts, I want to know, well, where did that come from? Is it mine or is it somebody else's? Because so many times we are living the life that we think is ours, but it is the life that somebody else has poured into us. Um, Beginning with our family and our friends and the church and the various other institutions, when you began to, at least for me, when I began to strip away those things, what I, I got to a point of, Hmm, now who am I? Who am I? Who do I really want to be? So from that, for at that point, I felt scared, very scared. Yeah. Because the people around me that I was talking to for the most part were not having that same kind of conversation <laughs> with themselves or with anybody else, right? Yeah. And so as I'm asking questions, one of the responses that I'm getting is just be satisfied with the status quo. You know, why are you worried about that? that. And so with that, I began to shrink. That, That greatness that was trying to come through at that time, right? I just began to kind of pull inward and get back on that humdrum track of going to college, getting a degree, going to work, Uh, getting another degree, going to work, doing, 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 and the dream of being an artist, the dream of traveling, the dream of seeing all of these countries and doing all of these things, meeting new people, those dreams just kind of became constricted or restricted i put them in a box and as i got older and could have could afford to go places i would go but by now what had happened is i had built up a sense of fear you can go but you better not go too far (laughs) stay in your comfort zone for the audience i want to tell you When I say that I took away, I started to rip away the mask, I did. Now, I'm not saying that I discarded all of my beliefs because I think what you do, you look at them, you turn them upside down and around, you examine it. Yeah, that came from this person, that came from this place. I think I want to keep it and you keep it. But you don't keep it all, keep all of it. You think about it, conscious decisions, intentional decisions. Yes, yes, yes. yes.
1: And I got to say that, People listening to this podcast, they are more likely to have already been asking those questions than the people that never get to explore or go inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right, because for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life, because I I hadn't learned of how to really go inside my life was lived on the outside of how I looked and, you know, what I did, et cetera, all those kind of things. But the, they say the journey from the head to the heart is the longest journey that yeah. we'll ever make because it takes courage. It takes courage to look at what you're doing, going, is it what I, what I truly want? And how do I know what I want? You know, when I've done in Australia for the last eight, nine years, I've been facilitating at men's gatherings um, in Queensland twice a year. I do programs, and that there'd be like a hundred guys there. And for a lot of men, uh, and this is kind of stereotypical, I suppose, but for a lot of men, they we weren't used to going inside of mm-hmm. our heart, finding out what's here. It's all about you know our head, what we do, what we think, what we can create, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. And for a lot of men, like if you um, for people not just men which picked on men but it just happened to be in men's I groups know. at that time it's like if we don't get into our heart I mean this is where our true and deepest values lie it's the things that really mean the most to us so when, when disaster happens around the world or in our community What often happens is you find the best and the worst of people come out. And the best really is when we go, you know, I've got to leave all this stuff on the outside alone and we've got to find out what's truly important. Follow that and that's what's going to help. And it'll come to things like um, compassion. It'll come to things like gentleness, uh, being authentic, being truthful about where you are. You know, no matter what we've done, if we're truthful about it, then we can go forward. But if we're putting up a a smokescreen, as we've all done, Um, well I'm talking about myself as I have done. We all have we all have, you know, it's part of our conditioning to find out, you know, to protect us if you like Um, but sooner or later that that part of us, that little ember it wants out it will be heard, it will be seen, it may take years or decades but it's coming for you because (laughs) it knows that's the truth, that's the truth of who we are And, and we can live a life for a certain period of time but after a while, the line just becomes um, untenable. Yeah. Untenable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I um. I think a part of, and again, this is not listeners. This is not intended to be stereotypical. I think it's probably factual to a great extent. Men are conditioned. Not to show their emotions, and in fact, I think that to a great extent, men are either pro, uh, uh, even programmed to believe that they should not have emotions, or if they have emotions, they should be the strong, you know, yeah. stoic. Yeah,
1: nothing wrong with me. You know, like in Australia, and I'm talking about Australia because I've lived here for 50 years. It's very, you know, nothing wrong with me. Very stoic. Mm -hmm. Um, and tough on the outside, you know, gentle heart on the inside, but tough exterior, you know all this kind of stuff. And and as a child, I was taught, you know, big boys don't cry. So, you know, our ability to express sadness is curtailed straight away. Um, In the family I grew up in, my father was six foot four, 18 stone, police force in the army all of his life. Anger was a one-way emotion. It went from big people to little people. I could not imagine, as a little kid, me being angry at my father. It just wasn't happening. So as a young man, What do I do with my anger? I don't know how to express it. I don't know what it is. So as I was growing up through my teens and 20s and 30s and beyond, managing my emotional state um, and having some mastery at that now, I have to say, fortunately, after all these years, uh, is one of the most important things I've been able to do. What I think and what I feel uh, and therefore what I do. Those three things, you know, every human being Mm. needs to challenge and, and deal with and become a master of their own thinking, of their own emotional state and the things that we do. If we can master those three things, then our life will be on track. But if we don't, if we're like always blaming everybody else for what's wrong with us, you know, you made me do, do this, you made me angry, you made me sad, blah, blah, blah. It's rubbish, no. You know, one of the things that my mentor, um, John Barnaby taught us, he said, no matter what we feel, we are responsible for that. So mm-hmm. rather than saying, you make me angry, I make me angry when you. Or another way of do, if you want to go deeper, is I choose to be angry about what you've said. That really levels it down. <laughs> or, I, or I choose to be really sad and mm-hmm. depressed by what's going on. So that brings a choice right at our doorstep. And that's the truth.
0: That's the truth. I, we choose our emotional states. Absolutely. But I think that no, back up. Absolutely. And I think, and I think that um, so much of our ability to do that again goes back to the programming because early on as children, you see it happening that a child does something, a child cries, and then a child points outward. And yeah. even the the parents parents i'm a parent so i'm I'm going to talk about parents the parent will point out with sometimes and say oh did that person hit you or did that person hurt you or did that person say something to hurt you or did and so you are programmed early on to look outward rather than to look inward and what i say to my clients because this is where i had to come from myself is to understand between the thought and the response is a space However small it may be, we program, we, we go from, from thought to response so quickly that we don't realize there's a space, but there is a space. And in that space, we get to choose how we're going to view whatever that thing is, whatever that thought is, and whether we are going to say, oh, it's a happy thought, yep. or no, it's a sad thought. And one of the things I also say is this, in a lot of what we feel and how, how, we, how we experience it is culturally induced. Yes. Because um, in different countries, the same word or different cultures, the same word may have a totally opposite meaning. And for instance, I, I like to say, let's suppose there's a word that means happy. It means happy in America. It could mean sad somewhere else. But because in America it means happy, uh, we hear it and we feel happy. If we go to another country, another culture, where they hear the same word and they don't feel happy, then we wonder what's wrong with them. Again, it's not what's wrong with us or what's going on in our head. So I think it's hard for – we have been so programmed. It is so hard to, number one, even acknowledge that because – I'm not going to talk about Australia or any other country, but in America, we don't have propaganda. I'm just saying, don't y'all take this as a serious thing. I'm being very, very facetious because, because we, 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 in general, the culture is to point outward to, regardless of what happens, it is the other person's fault. On the spiritual journey, which is what we're talking about, we have labeled it as that. But the journey within, the journey to self, in my opinion, is a spiritual journey. And on the spiritual journey, you have to always look inward. Always. It doesn't matter what someone else says. It doesn't matter what else happens. Those are simply what I call stimuli to get you to look inward. Because how are you responding to that? You say, he made me do this, he made me feel this way. He can go inside your head and make you feel any kind of way. You heard and or experienced what he said or what happened, and you made a decision consciously or unconsciously that this is how I'm going to respond.
1: Yeah. And in that same, you know, just taking that a little bit further, you could say then that conflict is a way to find where your spirit is because mm-hmm. it's in conflict you can really go hey what part of this is mine which part do i own um so i, I think leonard cohen said the crack is where the light comes in mm-hmm. so you know you can look at conflict and shy away from it, or you can go look at conflict and go which bit of this is part of me which bit do i need to explore to find out what's really going on what's the truth of what's going on here not what my head's saying whatever might be but and it's that inner journey and you know your listeners they are likely to already be on the inner journey and good on you because if you're not um well good luck And I say that with compassion because I know what it's like to be wandering around in the darkness and in the jungle going, what the heck am I here for? But, you know, all that stuff is there to help us go, if it's not on the outside, then let's go on the inside. that's where the the real pleasure, the real joy, the real treasures of the world are on the inside. Mm -hmm. It's, It's always an inside job.
0: It is. And I hear a lot of people these days saying phrases like, wake up, or I'm woke, or stay woke. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know what they mean by that, but when I hear it, I'm always thinking, for me, being awake means being spiritually awakened. It yes. means to understand the oneness that we are with everyone, everything. We yeah. are all a part of this huge System, but it is an interconnected system so that regardless of where in the world you may be physically, we're still connected. Regardless of whether I am, it it is plant, animal, rock, earth, we are all still connected in the system. So I don't know what other people mean, but for me, that is a part. When you are, when you begin to have that understanding of oneness, that really is what greatness is all about yeah it's, it's not about the car the house there's nothing wrong with material things but that's not what it's about it's not about the position it is about your understanding the oneness of all that is
1: yes totally uh, and there was something um that she said that triggered a thought and then it just disappeared and that's okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know as you're talking, I'm having all these thoughts and I'm saying, pay attention, pay attention, because, you know, I'm loving what he's saying, but I get it. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is I'm looking at your bio. It says that you've worked with, um, in addition to the corporate, national and international corporations, world-class skydivers and cyclists and triathletes and golfers. That is so phenomenal. What is it like to work with these people
1: Well, let me talk about the skydiver. So I was on national radio with a business partner and he was um, he was doing kinesiology and I was teaching accelerated learning. We were doing probably, this is going back 30 years and the manager of the national skydiving team heard our interview and he found us up and said, listen, um, we'd like to come and train with us. Now this happened in January, and the Christmas before, just a couple of weeks before, I was at a party with some friends, and someone had just done skydiving. Like, wow, that would be fabulous! I'd love to do some skydiving. So three weeks later, we get a phone call from the the manager of the national, of the Australian National Skydiving Team, saying, "Come and play with us." So we spent um, ten days with them, and we did fourteen jumps from wow. six and a half thousand feet. Um, one day we did five jumps in a day, three before lunch. My adrenal glands had never been so worked out before. These were a bunch of guys, crazy, crazy. Like the things that they would do were just hair-raising stuff, but they were so full of life. And my job was really to help them in some mental things of what they focus on and how to do that. And Brendan O'Hara, my partner, business partner, he was working on kinesiology, what their body was responding. So... There was one instance, and this is kind of goes back to what you focus on. So these guys would do a jump from 60,500 feet and they'd have a, a, a photographer, a video a guy coming down with them and he would look at their jump from different angles and they would come back down uh, and then they would replay the video. Uh-huh. And the coach would, um, so I, I spoke to him about we get what we focus on, you mm-hmm. know, if... If a child is sick all the time and we give them a lot of attention, then that's how you grow a hypochondriac because they go, well, I'm getting a lot of attention for being sick. Let's just be sick all the time. Anyway, so I was telling the coach, focus on what you want them to do more of. And so he came back down and we're looking at the video and he was saying, and he forgot what I'd said. And he said, you didn't do this well. And what about this? And this is not right. And he's focusing on all things he wants them to change. But what happens is they start their scores and it would be like a, a 12 for a jump, which is pretty good. And then during the day, it would go from 12 to 10 to wow. 9 to 8 over the over the five jumps. So I said to him, listen, you know, I reaffirmed what I've been saying and he said, oh, okay, Ara," yeah, right. and he forgot. So the next day, there was a whiteboard that he couldn't see. So I put a line down the middle and I put a cross and a minus. I didn't tell the guys what I was doing. They are all watching this. And every time he said something negative, I just put a cross oh, line wow. in the negative column. And the guys, I still hadn't told them what I was doing, but they're kind of being a bit curious. And every time he said something positive, I put a mark in the positive column. And then they got what, he, what I was doing. And so <laughs> the, every time the coach said something negative, there's another line, there's another <laughs> line. And the guys started to and laugh because they realised what I was doing. And then the coach mm. saw me and, and he realised, So that habit of focusing on what's wrong Mm -hmm. rather than what's right is so ingrained that sometimes it takes a bit of a slap across the face to go, you know, what are you doing? So when my daughter was young uh, and she'd bring a painting to me and she'd say, Daddy, what do you think of the painting? I would ask her two questions. The first question is, what do you like about what you've just done? And Mm -hmm. for your listeners, if they want to write down these two questions, it's going to be pretty valuable for them. So the first question is, what do you like about what you've just done? And my daughter would say, I like the reds and the greens and whatever the colours. Then I'd ask her, okay, if you were to do the painting again, what would you change or do differently? And she'd look at it and she'd go, well, I have more of this over here and I changed this and and she'd come up with some suggestion of what you'd do differently. So then I would say to her, would you like my opinion? So, first of all, I've got her to express her opinion. Mm-hmm. Then I've asked her if you want my opinion. And when she was younger, she'd normally say yes, but as she got older, she starts saying no, and I'm fine with that, you know. So I'd say, Well, I like this, this is always genuine and sincere. And then I'd suggest, yes, You could do this, I could do that. So, notice in those two questions, there's no criticism, it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. just focusing on what you like first. So you reinforce the thing that you want the people to do. And then you add some suggestions of what they could do to make it easier, make it more effective, whatever it might be. So going back to the coach. So then he, he got it. So, OK, let's replay the video. So, so he'd say, John, I really like this, the way you did this. That was really good. Ray, I like the way you did this, la, la, la. So he'd keep on focusing on what they're doing. And then the scores started to go up again, because mm-hmm. whatever you focus on, that's what you'll get more of. And I've seen this with cyclists that i work with. If they're going mountain bikers, for example, they're going down a hill and if they focus on an obstacle, they will yes. hit the obstacle. When I've worked with golfers and they say to themselves, oh, look out for you know the lake on the left-hand side, the ball just goes into the lake. And they go, how did that happen? Well, it's because that's what you visualise. That's what you told your body. So your body's just doing what you told it. So you know, at the end of the day, one of the habits I got into is I asked myself, what are what are the things that I've liked about what I've done today? And I go, I like this, I like this, I like that. And if I was to do it again, what would I change? So this constant evaluation and evolving coming back to that word we use way right in the beginning mm-hmm. you know we can constantly evolve how we show up in the world and that's our internal responsibility it's not anybody else's responsibility. responsibility mm-hmm. it's mine it's my life so there's some simple things that people can do just to go how do you get back on track? Because going into the jungle and falling off your bike is no big deal. We will all do it. But it's getting back on the bike, getting back out of the jungle, back onto the path. That's the tricky thing. And if you've got a few tools and tricks you know, up your sleeve, then you can just do that more and more. So then... It's coming more from the heart of, of, from your greatness, as you know what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So your greatness can really shine because, hey, your greatness wants to be out in the world. It wants to be part of your lived experience. It wants Mm -hmm. to be unfolded through you Mm -hmm. so that you get to enjoy the process of doing it and the world gets to benefit from the things that you're doing. I think as Oscar Wilde said, art is useless. All art is useless. And what he meant by that is it's the it's a creation of art Mm. that is the gift not the selling of the painting or (laughs) the sculpture, whatever it is it's the Mm. joy of the process that is the gift it doesn't matter if someone buys it or not I mean that might be commercially nice for you but it's like it's a process of creation that is the best gift gift for because that's when we are really in tune with our greatness and it is speaking through us and, and and acting through us and that's the joy of life
0: it totally is, you know. Oh, you're saying so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when when you were talking about your uh, process, what do you like about what you've done, and what would you change or do differently, and uh, what is would you like my opinion? Uh, I had two thoughts. One is that my mentor is Lisa Nichols, who's an international motivational speaker as well as, as an author. Um, but she has us to do this process when we are having exchange with a person and it basically is what she calls three up and one down. And so you make three positive statements oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before you come to a negative. What I like about you is this and yeah. what I really respect is this and what I honor about you is this. And what I would like to see more of you doing is this. And that really, if that, if, if there's something that's not quite what you want that you could say it's a negative that you still are saying you are I like that you're doing it and I would like to see you do more of it Um, as a I'm a Reiki master teacher and energy healer so I work a lot with energy and I totally agree that energy goes where your thoughts flow Right. Yes, totally. And so when you are thinking, I don't want this to happen, then that is exactly
1: <laughs> what exactly. you're telling
0: the subconscious mind to make yeah. happen. Right. Yeah. Because the subconscious mind is not hearing the joke do- the joke and no. the energy is going to that thing, whatever it is you say you don't want to have happen. And and that is perhaps one of the difficult things for people to understand that if you don't want something to happen, then you focus rather on the positive thing that you do want to occur rather than the negative thing that you don't want to happen.
1: Totally. So, like, if I say to you, don't think of an elephant, you have think to you think, would- think of an elephant because the brain doesn't recognize or not. Tell a child, don't walk on the grass. What they hear is, walk on the grass. If someone mm-hmm. says to their partner, don't forget the milk, The thing they don't bring back is the milk. And so it's it's a subtle thing. Um, But it's really, you know, language is so important in this respect. And it's a language not only externally, but also the language that we have on the inside. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned being woke or being awake. And being awake is one thing. But staying awake, that's the challenge because we can all go drift back into, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not great, right. you know, blah, 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 blah. So being awake is one thing, but staying awake, that's the, uh, that's the ongoing work in progress. And from my perspective, I'm always a work in progress.
0: Yeah.
1: Always. Every day is new. What I do with it is my choice. And if I go to sleep, then I'll make bad choices. If I'm awake, then I'll make more creative choices. And that's true, I believe, for every human being.
0: Speaking transparently, I have to admit, there was a time when I thought, based on the Cinderella stories, Mm -hmm. that I would reach that point and I would, quote, unquote, live happily ever after? (laughs) Don't laugh. I'm just saying. (laughs) my fairy tale. Do not laugh. And and I say that because so many of us grow up with the fairy tales. We think that there is a life, and and it's not that, that, that you can't live happy ever after. It is that that smooth, what, what that implies is that you're going to reach a point where there aren't going to be any more bumps in the road. Now, there are always going to be bumps. How do you navigate that? Do you go around it or do you do you find a way through it or do you go over it? Because the, bump, the bumps will stop coming when you transition to your next dimension. But as long as you're here,
1: yeah.
0: as long as you're here, Sue, There's no Cinderella, and they have lived happily ever after. uh, Ending, and that was a hard thing. I I became very angry when, Mm. at 26 years old, I realized (laughs) they fed me a, 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 a line of BS, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I did the same what I was told to do. I went to school, I got out of college, I got a job, and I got married and the marriage sucked and the getting out of college was like I gotta work, I gotta work at a job that I hate and with people that I don't particularly care hey, there is something wrong with this there's something wrong with this And so I had to do so. that was really the beginning of my journey to awareness but uh, to self-awareness but I'll say this too for the listeners as you well know the journey isn't smooth. It's not, I'm going to start here and I'm going to end here with the awareness. It's been up and down. There are big periods yeah. where I have totally shut down, pulled back from it, sometimes years to come back in and realize, I believe that we are here as spirit beings and we are on a journey. And regardless of how much you go in and out of it, ultimately you must you must return to the path and continue on it. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the greatness comes in.
1: Yeah, indeed. And another way of looking at them is every conflict that we have, every bump in the road we can either look at it as, oh, no, here comes another one, or we can go, oh, wow, here comes another one. (laughs) What other juicy bits of me are going to be revealed so I can deal with it? Yeah. So, And there's a book, I forget the the author's name, uh, and I think the title is something called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, I
0: was just listening to that on the audio book. Well, there you go. Yes. I love it.
1: So then it's like, well, come on, bring me some obstacles worthwhile for me to get my teeth into so I can find what the gems are underneath all of this because that's what life will always do. And I was fed the same story of, you know, you you get to this point here then everything's okay. No. And if that was true, gosh, that would be so banal, so ordinary, so boring, boring as batshit. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> as human beings, we, we need juice in our lives. We we need to be juicer. We need adventures because if we're not having adventures, then we may as well get our slippers and our pipe and, and a rocking chair and um, just read a book and go to sleep.
0: Um, yeah. not what I want to do. But speaking no. of books, I know we've been on for a little while and I have loved every moment of it. But before we get off, you and I were talking before we came on and you shared a little bit about a... A series of books that you're going to write. Now, you know, I told you I have this question that I want to always ask each of my guests, and that is, it's one year out from today.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. One year out, Bill, and you're going to call me, and I'm going to be expecting this call on the real real, and you're going to say, (laughs) and you're going to say, Doctor Sue, Doctor Sue, Doctor Sue, I am so excited. (laughs) I have, remember we were on that show and you said and and I'm so excited and I just want to tell you all these things that had happened And so what will you tell me, Bill? Okay.
1: So my latest book, which has just been out for a month now, is called How to Be Bulletproof from Criticism and Do Whatever the Heck You Want. It is Your Life. So that's the first of a series of books. Now, being bulletproof from criticism is pretty generic. You know, every human being needs to deal with that, either internal criticism or external criticism. So I'm going to take the book and I'm going to niche it down. So... I'll, there'll be one for entrepreneurs and small business owners. So I'll reach out to my database and other people and find people in that in that segment and say, okay, read the book, tell me what's missing, tell me what else you need. Then I'll go into my experience, my training, and I'll create a book just for them based on the how to be bulletproof book. There'll be one for um Teenagers and young adults, mm-hmm. so from 13 to 25. There'll mm-hmm. be one for emerging leaders because there's certain things that they will have to deal with. There'll mm-hmm. be one for artists and creatives because, you know, any artist or any creative, the internal critic is usually right on their shoulder mm-hmm. um, in their ear and it's never good enough, whatever it might be. Uh-huh. And there'll be one for couples because um, just in talking to people, uh, people saying, Oh, my partner needs to read this. I'm okay, going, well, yeah, well, you probably need to read it first. No, the <laughs> partner
0: needs to read this. <laughs> so,
1: so, part of one of my mentors said to me, Don't write a book, write a series of books. And I'm going, Yeah, because if I put everything that I knew into one book, it would be too complicated, too mm-hmm. messy. And so, one of my other mentors um, said, One book, one theme. So mm-hmm. the theme is just this. I will keep it clean and clear. It's mm-hmm. an easy two hour, maybe three hour read. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've also created a like a quiz around this that your listeners can go onto. That's it's mm-hmm. free. I'll put the, I'll send you the links and so you can put it in the show notes, or whatever.
0: Okay, please do.
1: And so in the next year, part of my uh, what I'll be doing is going to those different niches and reaching out, getting some input from them, getting some stories and some interviews and then creating a book just for that niche. So that's um, part of, you know, I'm 72 and part of my my hero's journey, if you like, is getting all the last 40 years of things that I've learned the <laughs> yes. easy way and the hard way and going, all right, I want to make this more valuable to mm-hmm. other people. So that their path can be, it'll still have their challenges, but you'll have more skills and tools to
0: you know, find your, navigate your own pathway. That's
1: what I'll be doing.
0: Congratulations. I'm so excited that you're doing that. I think it is so much needed. Um, I often think that for whatever reason, there is, there's so much knowledge available, but it's not being transmitted. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you and I talked about what's my, audience, right? And and my audience typically is between like 30 and 43, 45. And what I'm getting is that they need mentorship. They they want it. They crave it. Uh, We, to some extent, I'll speak for me, to some extent, I, as an elder, have not Done my duty, which is to pass that knowledge on, and so I am so grateful that you are writing the series of books. Because with forty years and more than that, really, plus yeah, yeah. knowledge and experience, <laughs> you've got so much to share, so much to share. So yeah. congratulations on that. Now, what do you yes. see, what do you see as a hurdle though to your accomplishing that? Because greatness uh, always comes at a cost, and there yeah, always that's true.
1: You know. um, before before I talk about it, I just want to tell you, you may know the story about the old lion and the young lion in the jungle. Have you heard that story? So uh-huh. this is all this is old lion sitting in the jungle up on a hill. And he's battled scarred and he's been through all this stuff. And he looks down and tearing, he can see a young lion. And he looks at the young lion going, I know, I remember when I was, you know, a young dude being a lion, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so much potential that the young lion has got. And I'd love to tell him some of my stories, but heck, you know why would he want to listen to an old guy like me? And the young lion, then you switch down to the young lion, the young lion looks up, he sees this battle scarred old dude up there and going, wow, he must be just full of so many stories and wisdom. I would love to find out some of the stuff that he knows that I don't know yet. So both the young lion and the old lion, they have a connection. They both actually have a need for the other.
0: Yeah.
1: And when when they can get to have a chat over a I don't know whatever lions eat, um, <laughs> but when, when they get to have a chat that they can swap stories. So mentorship, that's why mentorship I think is so important. So if your listeners are like you know 30 to 45 whatever, And if you haven't found some good mentors in your life, then go seek them out either in the industry or from your friends or whatever it might be because mentors can give you some guidance Mm -hmm. from years of experience that you haven't had yet. And then when you get to be an old lion or lioness, (laughs) then you'll have the opportunity because people will be going, I want some of the, the wisdom and the knowledge that you've taken all this time to gather and that's really what I feel I'm doing now. I'm feeling like an older lion going, I've got a whole bunch of stuff here and I want to get them out to the world. So coming back to your question, what's the, what's the hurdle? Um, well, one, <laughs> one, is, one is about time. And, and it's about, um, you know, as, you, as I get older, time becomes more precious yes. because of the the looming mortality of human beings. I mean I could you know live for another 30 years. Um, so we don't know how much time we've got. But I've set I've set myself a goal. I want to do this in the next in the coming year. And I'll if I don't get five books out, I want to get as many like four books out. That that'll be pretty good in, in a year's time. And so part of that is then organizing all the logistical things, the interviews, Mm -hmm. the the collating, the editing. For me, writing is quite easy. I find it, I just Mm -hmm. have to unload my brain. The editing is a challenging part. (laughs) Uh, But that's the part that really shapes something. It's a part that really, you know, makes it glow and makes it glisten and and makes it worthwhile. If people just read my unauthorized ramblings, it wouldn't be much good. We need to have like, refine it down to get to the nitty gritty so yeah there's those things and but you know what are they in the scheme of life it's nothing it's nothing
0: well this has been a phenomenal conversation and i've got lots of notes and i hope that you the listening audience i hope that you've got some too and if you don't i'm going to encourage you to go back listen again because uh, Bill has provided that he's such a a reservoir of knowledge and he has provided us so much I really really uh, I congratulate you Bill again on the series of books that you are about to uh, undertake writing and I encourage you um, listeners I'm going to keep this in mind myself Um, I like the two questions what do you like Mm -hmm. about what you've done so as you are Going within, you know, we talked about going within. So as you're looking within yourself, it is so easy, so easy to be overly critical. And so I'm going to ask you to look at yourself and say, Well, what do I like about what I've done? More importantly, who, what do I like about who I am? Because that's where you start from, who I am and what I've done. And then you can't relive your life, but you can learn from it. So if you could do some things differently, I won't say if you could do it over, but if you could do some things differently, what might those things be? What might they be? And then opinions are always good. But remember, uh-huh. everybody's got one. So you need to be very selective in terms of who you get, who, who you uh, seek the opinion from, let it be someone who is doing something that is worth, that makes them worthy of you asking them. Let it be a mentor who has shown you that, yeah, like the old lion, I've been through some stuff. I've been through mm-hmm. some stuff. But old lion, as you listen and mentor, remember, this is a new lion. And if you, if you provide the input the wrong way, you can crush their spirit. And we here at Pivot to Greatness, we're not about crushing spirits. We are all about raising them up and supporting them and encouraging them. So Bill, before we go, do you have any one last word or words of wisdom or advice that you would give to the audience?
1: Well, I guess it's something that over the last 40 years I've learned to do more and more. And it's very simple. And that's just to to listen to your heart. Your heart knows everything that you need to know. It knows the direction that we need to take in life. And it's always there. It's beating within us. It's giving us um, our blood supply. It's doing all these things. But deep in that, it's really showing us where we need to be.
0: Y'all see this? (laughs) <laughs> That's what, It took me a long time to get there because I listened to everybody's voice other than mine. I did the things they told me. They, being parents, friends, whoever, told me that yeah. I should do. That's a part of most of our journey. But at some point, you have to stand up and be responsible and accountable to yourself. And so I encourage you to do that now. And remember, greatness is your birthright, but you gotta earn it. gotta earn it to own it. And it always comes at a price. And the price is how much discipline are you willing to put into it? How much energy are you willing to put into it? And and and, 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 and the, the process, the creative process, isn't always an active process where you're doing, because sometimes you can do so much that you lose sight of who you are becoming. And so take some time in there to get to know Who you be. Yeah, I know I said that right. Who you be. Take some time to connect with them. Because therein, Bill has talked about your intuition. I've mentioned your soul a few times. But therein is where the secret to your success and your greatness lies. So until we meet again, I'm Dr. Sue, your host. This is Pivot to Greatness. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. My website is www.SynergistichealingCenter.com. And Bill, shout out to them where they can find you. And then we'll okay, sign so,
1: up. So um, my website is bulletproofandcriticism.com.au. That's the easiest place to contact me. And you can look on my website. There will be also a link to a free quiz that you can do, but that'll be on the on the website as well. So that's simply criticism com
0: okay guys check him out he's got lots of good stuff for you i'm going to drop that information in the show notes until the next time hang in there greatness is your birthright go get it y'all bye